Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Okay, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, apologies as I get myself going. I noticed there were a couple of boxes of tissues there. I don't know if that was just for me or what was happening there. My name's Steve, married to Viv. Uh, fantastic to lead this wonderful, wonderful church. Um, we just also want to welcome our sites at Battersea and at Westside. Do me a favor, if you're willing and able to, just stand up and look at that camera with the, re- the green light. Just everyone stand up and give them a wave at Westside and at Battersea. Those online, uh, our Brighton clan as well, and uh, just a huge, 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 huge welcome. Um, It's also our seventh year anniversary today. Can you believe? I'm. I'm, Yeah, no, sorry. As a church, as a church, (laughs) we've been married a lot longer than that. Um, Would you believe I'm only 28 as well? (laughs) That's what church pastoring does <laughs> to you. Well, a huge, 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 huge welcome. Um, we just have a, an opportunity over these last couple of weeks. So Viv spoke last week, I'm speaking this week, just to cast a bit of the vision of uh, what we're doing. Forgive me, I'm just trying to get myself organized, so just bear with me. Um, just as we get uh, over the last couple of weeks, as we communicate the vision for the church, and then next week, our site pastors at Westside and at Battersea and here at Ballon, Mike and Julia, they're going to uh, just talk about the focus and the priorities for, for the church. If you're at Westside or Battersea, just make sure that they know that that's what's happening. Mike and Julia, I think I'm sure they know that's happening next week. Um, we are a people, our name comes from Isaiah 61. V61, it's our name. We believe we don't own the scripture. The whole world has the scriptures, but we believe it's a particular mandate, a calling uh, for us. So I just wanted to read, read Isaiah 61 uh, to us and with us. And um, if you want to, you can read with me as well. So after three, the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion and give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees, planted by the Lord to glorify him. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true, and it was given to you and me in love. Uh, We wanted to reflect back on, on this last year, tell some stories about what God's been up to in his transformation business and how we've joined in as well. It's been an incredible, it's been an incredible year so far. We've adopted Westside site as our third site 
And it's just been beautiful to see how this community, the history of Westside Church and its incredible outreach to the community, what they've been doing for the local area. It's just inspiring and it's inspired us to raise the bar in terms of what's possible. Uh, a couple of months ago, we had Val and Rosie from, from Westside, an absolute highlight here, talking about um, responding to knife crime and uh, just their ministry of, of supporting families who lost their children to knife crime. Um, afterwards, we just heard about the generosity of, of our people here and uh, just some people who went up to Val and Rosie and just asked them, can we help some of those families financially? Could we uh, offer some, some help to the victims there? And uh, so Val, she spoke to a couple of the moms and she spoke and, um, to tell them that the church wanted to give some money, people in the church wanted to give some money to help with funeral costs, to help with everyday money. Val, Val spoke to us about this mom who was in absolute tears, uh, who has little, little to no money. Uh, and she, took, she went with that hope to, the son, to her son's grave to share that story with him, just thanking, thanking God for the financial provision. Val then also spoke to another mom who had just been in her kitchen that, that morning and she was questioning her, in her head, why has this happened to me? Why has this happened to us? Is there, and she said, is there really a God? She told Val, by the time that thought was in her head, Val called her. And Val was telling her that a lovely couple from V61 had donated some money, which will help her. And again, she burst into tears. And she was like, God has honored me. He's real. God is real. And we're just partnering with what God is already doing. Uh, I've also loved the way different people from the church have just stepped out of their comfort zones, wanted to make things happen. We heard last week about uh, Victoria. She sang Amazing Grace and others, uh, whether that's our homeless project with Mercy Street or the Mums Night recently or uh, brilliant men's breakfast that uh, we want not just once a month but every day, every, every week. <laughs> A, a proper greasy cafe, Mehmet's Cafe at Wandsworth. It was, it was the best breakfast I've had for ages, ages, ages. Uh, just hearing about some of the outreaches, some of the individuals who've been brave in moments, showing, telling about Jesus, singing about the love of Jesus and his amazing grace. At church, it's just so good to see us um, being a body, doing things for one another, doing things for our, our city. I also just want to thank all of those here, Viv and I, just want to thank all of those that are part of a dream team here on a Sunday. It takes a whole bunch of people to make this happen, uh, whether that's creating the space, whether it's the hospitality, the coffee that you're drinking, whether it's the worship that's being led, whether it's the leaders who lead our, our children's church or our youth environment. If that's you, could you just stand up? I just want to just, just stand up. If, you, sir, if you're part of one of our dream teams here, serving, being on team, just stand up. And at Battersea and at Westside, do the same. Just the rest of us, just give them a round of applause. Just thank them. Just stand up where you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Um, it's just a fantastic space to be part of, being part of a team. Uh, I believe every person in our community uh, should have the opportunity to serve if they want to grow as followers of Christ and develop healthy skills, health, healthy life skills. So join, join one of our dream teams. Uh, last week, uh, some of you were here, some of you were here online or watched us at our sites. Uh, every time I get up, I say, you have to listen to Viv's talk. You have to watch Viv's talk. If you haven't done from last week, it was, it was absolutely brilliant as she set the tone for the vision of, uh, of the church. Uh, a couple of months ago, what I'm about to share with you, I shared with some of our leaders about uh, what I believe and what we believe God might be doing here. Because there's this growing sense amongst us that God, God is moving in our community. And he's moving particularly uh, into us into a season of consecration. God has been speaking to some of our prophetic people, some of our prayers, some of our intercessors, some of our leaders that we're, that we're in, but also the, what, what God wants to take us into. Uh, and so I'm going to attempt to give some language to that, if I may, to what could begin to unfold in our community uh, here at V61. Um, God's on the move. He's in our midst. My prayer has been these last uh, few months is, God, would you be here? There's no point us meeting, singing. Otherwise, we're just doing karaoke. There's no point if God's not in the house. There's no point if the Holy Spirit isn't here. So I've just been praying, God, would you visit us? Would you meet with us here, but also into every heart? Just put your hand on your heart if you're uh, willing to. Just, God, would you fill every heart with your presence now? Thank you, you're on the move. God, you're in our midst. And so uh, I come very, very humbly, uh, but a lot of joy. This is my joy face. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I come just to share what I believe God is, God is uh, beginning to do around us. Uh, as I said last week, Viv shared beginning some details of consecration. She unpacked the story of Isaiah, of what Isaiah saw, what he heard, what he felt, and what he did. I want to almost pick up from where, uh, she, where she left and say, okay, we come with consecration to God. What would it look like now that we're consecrated? And so this word isn't a common, commonly used word. Um, you might have some thoughts already. What is consecration? We're in a church, so he's going to be talking spiritually, religiously. Uh, we might have this existing concept. Interestingly, it's going to be talked about nationally at the moment. Prince Charles, at some point in the future, is going to be consecrated. At some point over the next weeks and months, he's going to be consecrated as king. Um, during his formal coronation, where the Archbishop of Canterbury, he, Prince Charles, he's going to be seated on the coronation chair. He's going to hold the sovereign scepter and rod in one hand to represent uh, the, the, the control of the nations. On the other hand, he's going to hold the sovereign's 
orb. These glamorous words. This, the sovereign's orb. And that represents the Christian world. Before Charles is spiritually commissioned as king, he's going to be consecrated. Charles will be anointed and blessed and then consecrated by the archbishop, who will then and only then place the crown on his head. So we're going to hear about uh, BBC. Can you imagine the BBC talking about consecration? Uh, but let me define it very, very quickly biblically. Uh, there's some various de definitions there. If you've got strong eyes, good eyes, you'll be able to read what's on the slide. Uh, but let me just define it just uh, very, very quickly. Defining consecration is just this thing about to be made sacred. In summary, it's to be made sacred, to set apart as holy. Consecration separates the holy from the common. And so we may think that consecration is just reserved for kings or priests or kind of spiritually, spiritual people. But consecration in the New Testament uh, is revealed, it's available for every believer. Every one of us, if we follow Jesus, has access to this consecration. It's not something for just knowledgeable Christians or mature ones. Um, if, I, if I dreamt about being 28 again, it's not just for someone who's, who's been doing this a long time. It's for all of us. And I want to propose we cannot subjectively know the life of Christ or reach, begin to reach spiritual maturity without consecrating ourselves to God. I want to propose consecration is the basis for every spiritual experience and so for you and I it starts in Isaiah 61 where the spirit of the Lord God is on us it starts with us before God as Viv said last week have you seen the Lord have we uh, been in his presence in this pivotal point in history as individuals and as a church let's seek the face of God I would love four-mile queues to come to meet with Jesus, as people meet with Jesus, wouldn't you? Let's meet with Jesus. I would love four-mile queues uh, as people queued up to, uh, to come into God's presence. And so our experiences, as we begin to turn back to the way of God, our taste for worldly things fade, and we naturally start to hunger and thirst for the things of God. Uh, the Bible talks about righteousness as a religious word. As we heard from God, as we've seen God, as we've been in his presence, uh, as we get a glimpse of his goodness, we realize his ways are so much better than our ways. And so consecration is this giving ourselves to God to become a living sacrifice. Uh, Paul says in Romans 12, verse 1, he says, I exhort you, uh, therefore, through, through the compassion of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. You see, in the Old Testament, the sacrifice was something, remember I said this, something set apart for God. The Old Testament consecration was we set something apart from God, we set, apart, we set it apart from, for God by putting it on the altar. When the people offered certain animals or in their rituals, 
um, as they gave this offering to God, it no longer belonged to them, it belonged to God. It belongs to God for his purpose and his uh, satisfaction. Today, as followers of Jesus, we don't offer a thing or an animal, we offer ourselves. We place ourselves before God. We put ourselves in the altar. We don't put other things on the altar. We place ourselves on the altar. And in the same way, God can use us however he wants for his good pleasure. That's the, that's the difference of consecration for now. And so I want to propose three things that happen after consecration. Uh, uh, consecration precedes God's presence. Consecration precedes a reformation. Consecration precedes uh, our purpose. Um, the, the, uh, talked about the presence of God being made manifest on the earth. Whether you have a, uh, a spiritual experience, whether you believe in Jesus, whether you've follow, been following Jesus all your life, it begins with God's presence. It starts with his presence. In the Old Testament, in uh, Exodus 40, the book, one of the books of Moses, we have this sense of what it looked like to consecrate before his presence. Um, they built the first ever sanctuary, the tabernacle, the, the meeting place of God. There was a tent, there was all kinds of altars and all kinds of figurines and all kinds of offerings, which all needed to be consecrated. In, in Exodus 40, everything was to be set apart for worship. It was set apart, made holy, and then and it says in Exodus 40, once everything was set apart, once everything was made holy, what happened? The cloud came. The presence of God came. It descended on the, uh, in, the, in the sanctuary. And it says the glory of Yahweh, the Hebrew word for God, filled their worship, filled their hearts, filled their place with his tangible presence. I mean, it was so good you could see it. Imagine seeing a cloud coming in. We don't need smoke machines here, but imagine seeing the, the smoke coming into a room and it's, hold on, guys, it's God's presence. Can you imagine that moment? This is still on offer for us. Do you know that? As kingdom carries, we have this access to real, his manifest glory breaking in here and now. We may not see a cloud, but let us stir our hearts fresh again for, his, for hunger. I long to see God's fullness rest in our community. I long to see his presence come, uh, just as it does in many times, transforming lives, waking up people that are asleep, restoring the broken, as Isaiah 61 says, liberating the captives, healing the sick, saving the lost. And so consecration begins with his presence. Number two, Consecration precedes a reformation. Um, as I've studied uh, church history and just seen the times of uh, revival, seen the times where there's this moment of God in a particular place or particular nation or particular environment, what happens is that there's a, a reformation that occurs in all spheres uh, in the world of creativity, particularly in the arts, 
uh, in the world of wisdom where new ideas are formed, in spheres of influence, in workplaces where people have revelation of new ways of living, new ways of working. Entrepreneurs get fresh ideas of, of things just straight from God, fresh strategies, seeing expansion. And again, revival is more than just seeing more people healed, saved, delivered. It's more than just having tent meetings, like filled with the healing meetings. It's part of it. It's more than just having more church services. It's seeing our neighborhoods transformed. It's seeing businesses revived. It's seeing poverty and crime reduced. Education, healthcare supported and improved. It's seeing our prisoners welcomed home. It's seen young people on the Winstanley, Henry Prince, the Doddington estate, um, the Winstanley estate, turning away from gang culture and knife crime and turning to God, turning to Christ. And I, I believe, I just want to throw out a couple of things that I believe from the Lord that may happen as a result of this, uh, this time of consecration. I believe there's a season coming where two things will occur. Number one is creativity, and number two is compassion. I really see that there's a, a release of God in, in creativity, new ideas, new ideas, solutions, wisdom, whether you're in the arts, whether you're an actor, whether you're a singer, whether you're a graphic designer, videographer, whether you're a producer, whether you're in film, whether you're in the entertainment, whether, 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 whether. I really believe there's a reformation coming and it always starts in the arts. Throughout history, 2,000 years, it always starts with the arts. The second thing is I, I believe that, so we have creativity, the second thing is the, is the realm of compassion. I don't know whether this is from the Lord or just my deep, deep prayer. Um, just again, throughout history, you look at Reformation. It's the church that started, Christians that started the education system. It was Christians that started the hospitals. In the UK, more Christians volunteer. It's the largest workforce than any other workforce. Millions and millions of Christians provide compassion and social care to people. And I believe that with the energy and cost of living concerns that are happening for many of us, I really believe it's the church that will step in. As we consecrate ourselves, I really believe compassion will be the fruit of this. Wonder why they left me loads of tissues. Um, okay, number, number three. You may think I'm coming into land. My, my boy, he, he's just come back from uh, a trip and uh, he's he, coming into Heathrow, but they do a bit of circling before they land. That may happen now. We did a recent study on our... Um, on our preaching series, and many, many of you have responded, and I think the average time of preach that you wanted was about 25 minutes. I'm using those people that have said about 45 minutes <laughs> as, my, as my guide. Okay, number three. Compassion precedes our purpose. You see, on the one hand, on the one hand, we, we all need to co consecrate ourselves once and for all. Whether now or when we meet our maker when we die, we're going to meet him. 
Let's consecrate ourselves now before we meet him. We, we all have a choice to, to find and follow Jesus. Today's the day where you might, you might want to consecrate yourselves firstly. But after our initial uh, consecration, we should live our, a life of consecration all our days. We can do this by practicing daily, giving ourselves to the Lord, giving the Lord each day as you wake up. God, I, I give you this day. I give you all the meetings, all the awkward moments, the conflicts, the, the agendas that I have to do, the documents that I have to fulfill, the, the meat, etc. I give this to you today. God, would you consecrate this day? Would you make it yours? Each morning when you wake up, you can just say, Lord, thank you for this new day. I want to maintain a fresh daily consecration, walking with, walking with Jesus. We can also, in terms of our purpose, we can also give ourselves to the Lord afresh at particular times. For instance, if you're a, a student or a teacher, new term started, or um, you can give yourself to the Lord at the beginning of a school term, a new year. Or if you get a, a change in career, a promotion, or I know some of you are on sabbaticals and you're, you're just thinking about what's next. Any new thing that you begin to do with your life, you can consecrate it to the Lord. You can say, God, I give you this new job. I give you this new year. It's not mine, it's yours. It doesn't, it, it's yours, Jesus. We can offer that to Jesus. It's not mine, it's yours. At any particular event, whether big or small, we've seen an example with grace. We've dedicated grace this morning. We've seen that already, just how we can dedicate, we can consecrate, we can give uh, grace to the Lord. Uh, and I, I just want to propose, by consecrating ourselves to the Lord daily, but also at particular times, it keeps our consecration, it keeps that fresh with God. When we present ourselves to the Lord in consecration, do you remember I said, he has the freedom to do whatever he wants to do. So just while we're here, what areas in your life do you want to consecrate to the Lord? Are there things that you just want to give, give to the Lord, big or small? We don't often pause our lives, do we? It's a moment we can just go, okay. So, what does it mean for us now? Okay, Steve, I get these three things. What does it mean for us now? I think there's some personal responses, but also there's some corporate things that, that uh, we can do. I love this quote by Eugene Peterson. He was the author of The Message, which is a, a modern translation of the, of the Bible. And he says this, Worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. I heard this quote like 15 years ago. So when I was 13, I heard this quote. 
I heard this quote 15 years ago, but never before in human history has this quote resonated with me as it does now. We live in a society which is preoccupied with self, don't we? I've never, you've never, I, you and I have never seen that before, that pressure of self-focus, um, not just with social media, not just with liking people's photos and commenting and hoping that people will like and comment on my photos. But there is this preoccupation with self, which is um, palpable, it's, it's tangible, we all feel it. Never before has this quote been so much. Worship, if we want to get pre, to interrupt the preoccupation with ourselves, worship is the strategy. Mike, this morning, just read from Psalm 100. The password to God's presence is worship, thankfulness. We thank God and we come into his presence. I love that song, Worthy is your name. You deserve the highest praise, Jesus. Worthy is your name. You can hum that. You can sing worship songs. You can get yourself in an altar. You can say, Jesus... I want to come before you today. I want this day to be about worship to you. With my work, with my education, with my family, may everything I do be of worship to you. So worship, and, and the other thing, so that's privately what we can do. Corporately, what we can do is pray. And so we want to create some environments where we just get in the way of God's river where we just jump in into what God's doing. And so in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a 48 hours of prayer uh, that we're going to encourage as many people to do, to get involved with uh, each day on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday. There'll be different things. Uh, you'll find out more. But we have uh, Julia from our, our Battersea site, Ballam site, Ballam site, who's going to, uh, we're going to watch a video and uh, we're going to watch her. It's going to be slightly awkward here at Ballam because Julia's in the room. <laughs> But it's going to be fine at Battersea at Westside. So let, let's, uh, let's play the video. At Vineyard 61, we are passionate about prayer. We believe it sits right at the centre of our life of faith, our relationship with God. We believe it's the way we know Him and He knows us. Jesus taught His disciples to pray and He taught us to pray, saying, When you pray, say, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we step into September, the start of the new school year, we are stepping in full of faith. We are believing God is wanting to move in our community across the life of our church and across the city of London. And in order to honor what we believe God is wanting to do, we want to put prayer right at the center. We want to make it our priority. And so we are setting some time aside at the end of this month to gather and pray. But I just want to say one more thing. I think sometimes when we pray, we can feel like we're praying into a void. Does God really hear us? Does it really make a difference? And friends, I want to tell you today that in James 5, 16 and 17, it says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We do not pray into a void. We pray to the living God. He hears every cry of our heart and He is faithful to fulfill that which he has promised. It says here, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, 
and yield for its fruit. And this is a beautiful scripture just teaching about the power of prayer. And so we want to invite you to 48 hours of prayer at the end of September. All the details will follow. A time of prayer and fasting. We look forward to seeing you there. You're allowed to clap. So uh, watch out for uh, uh, notices and uh, your emails that you might receive on, on a Thursday. Watch out for, for more details about uh, the different ways of, of, that we're going to involve in, in us praying over these 48 hours. So as, as I circle one more time, um, I think there are, two, there are a few responses here. Uh, our personal response are you all in for Jesus? Are you all in for him? And again, where are you standing still in your faith? Where are you stuck at the moment in your faith? Like last week, as Viv said, as we, we place our diamond uh, against the light, bring your life before his light. These are three personal things this week. Uh, you can do uh, before God. Uh, as I've tried to just sense why God is leading us uh, towards consecration, um, the dozens and dozens of stories uh, that I've read uh, about the times of revival, read historians describe some of the principles for personal and corporate revival. One of the principal patterns they see is consecration leads somewhere. Every time I, I read about this, consecration leads somewhere. And so over the next, next few weeks and months, uh, we simply want to be in tra trajectory where God might revive us personally. He might renew us personally. He might restore us personally. He might reorientate us towards him again. Um, let me tell you about Charles Wesley, 22-year-old Charles Wesley. Um, who, he was attending uh, University of Oxford and he started a Bible study uh, back in the early 1700s. Uh, it was known as the Holy Club as they got ridiculed uh, for being, being Christians and doing this kind of Bible study. His, he and his brother, John Wesley, uh, who founded the Methodist uh, Church, um, they had a watch prayer night. They had a prayer night uh, on uh, uh, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve on, in 1738. What happened on that prayer evening was remarkable. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was so powerful that what these young people experienced was so real that it set an anchor in their souls. It set the trajectory for their lives. And with a, within a few months of that watch night service at uh, New Year's Eve, um, the Wesleys were then preaching in the fields of, of London and beyond, moving hearts of tens of thousands of people uh, towards Christ. And so between that, between that New Year's Eve prayer night in 1738 and, and in, by 1791, it's estimated 1.25 million people were converted to Christ. That prayer night was their spiritual inauguration that spiritual consecration 
for the public ministry and it formed the, the Methodist church that we now have. And so this subsequent revival, it cut across denominational lines. It involved every segment of society. Uh, an archbishop in 1928 said that Wesley's practically changed the outlook, even the character of the English nation. And historians believe that that prayer meeting in Fetter Lane in, uh, in central London and the subsequent spiritual awakening throughout England it's estimated that it saved, historians say that it saved England from being sucked into something like the French Revolution. John Wesley was able to organise widespread planting of churches, thousands of churches. We have three. We've got a little way to go. But when the consecration comes, the, he installed pastors. At the same time, he kept an itinerary. And on horseback, he travelled over 4,000 miles a year and pre preached around 40,000 sermons in his lifetime. Gosh, I'm up to about 30. <laughs> my, my prayer is that our 48 hours of prayer in a couple of weeks will spark something. Even if we had a spark from that massive flame in the 1700s, my prayer is that all it needs is a spark. All it needs is, a, is one or two burning ones. All it needs is extraordinary prayer and ordinary prayer meetings. All it needs is some faith to know that uh, revival is possible. All it needs is some humbling and a consecration of the people of God. Let me pray. So Jesus, come. Would you move in hearts and homes and churches and communities. May your name be lifted across our church and our community and our city. Come Lord. I was thinking about what I said earlier about those that um, there's a, a change in career or a new start, a new purpose, a new direction. I talked about some of you involved in the creative industry and the, the range of that. If, if that's you, would you just stand up across the sites at Westside, at Battersea and here, a change, a new start, you're involved in the creative industry, musician, singer, actors, you work on a laptop to create things, would you just stand up? at Battersea and at Westside. And we're just going to invite the Spirit of God to come. Place those standing, place your lives before the altar of God right now. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.